Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hey folks, before you tap into this latest Lakers Legacy podcast episode, we would please like to ask for your guys' support. All you have to do is subscribe to us on the Apple Podcast app and leave a five-star rating and review. That goes a long way in maintaining the consistency and quality of this podcast moving forward. And also, it just lets us know that you're listening, and we love to know that you're listening. So, thanks for your support, and yeah, go hit that five-star rating and review button. And now, on with the showtime. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where, though the team we all currently root for resides in sunny Southern California, unfortunately, when it comes to the end-of-season forecast for this particularly cursed Lakers team and season, it seems like we can only expect more sprainy days ahead. Or as Mary J. Blige would say, it's just those sprainy days. Shout out to Mary J. Blige and her terrific Super Bowl halftime performance uh, last Sunday. And also shout out to the LA Rams for winning the Super Bowl. But we're here today to talk about the Los Angeles Lakers and the very unfortunate and gruesome ankle injury that Anthony Davis sustained last night. I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and I'm not joined by my typical co-hosts, Tommy Alexander and Alan Riley. I decided to give everybody a week off for All-Star Weekend, and I wasn't prepared to do this podcast either, but... Obviously, some some big news has come down, some unfortunate news with Anthony Davis's injury, and I wanted to get a podcast out just sharing my thoughts and also just once again also reiterating some thoughts and ideas I have of how the Lakers can go about sort of stemming the tide in Anthony Davis's absence. So, Anthony Davis, at the time of this recording, we are still waiting on the MRI to see if anything more serious has happened to Anthony Davis. Thank God, actually, that so far initial x-rays came out negative and that currently it's just a sprain, the severity of which we're unsure of. But yeah, when Anthony Davis crumpled to the floor almost immediately after landing, and then we saw that reverse angle of his ankle parallel to the floor, nearly touching the floor, I think it did touch the floor, I mean, my heart sank to my stomach. It was a huge punch to the gut. And I think all of Lakers Nation let out a collective gasp, sigh, F-U-C-K, what have you. And you could tell in at Crypto.com Arena just how deflated everybody was. And if you looked at the reactions of the Jazz players on the court who saw 
what happened to Anthony Davis, more specifically Royce O'Neal. Royce O'Neal's face just, he just had a cringe to his face. He let up a Hail Mary and started, cuffed his hands together and let out a quick prayer for Anthony Davis. Like when you see stuff like that, it's like so disheartening to watch. On the one end, it's cool to see the camaraderie amongst the players, but you also know that the players of all people know the best when they see a potentially season-ending injury. And luckily, it seems like we've avoided that, although I'm crossing my fingers. And again, at the time of this recording, we don't know specifics yet of how long Anthony Davis might be out and what type of sprain he has, if it is just a sprain or if he actually, you know, did anything more serious to his ankle. But regardless, it it, it just sucks. I mean, what else can you say? This is This has been a Murphy's Law sort of season. This has been, now this is going to be fun, part two. And actually, the first thought of, that I had when Anthony Davis went down was, if, if we're going with the, now this is going to be fun parallels, and I know people hate doing this, but if we're going by that through line, it did remind me of Kobe Bryant tearing his Achilles, trying to drag the Lakers team to the playoffs. Um, when Kobe tore his Achilles... Uh, He was having a spectacular game against the Warriors, and the Lakers ended up pulling it out. Same with this game against the Jazz. Anthony Davis was absolutely dominating Rudy Gobert and the entire Jazz team. He had like 17 points. His mid-range shot was flowing. He was blocking shots, etc., etc. And on this one errant lob throw, he unfortunately grazed the back end of Rudy Gobert's foot and then pretty much snapped, bent his ankle. And that was that. And seeing... DeAndre Jordan and Dwight Howard in the locker room tunnel have to carry him with no feet on the ground to the locker room. Yeah, that was just devastating and, and sad to see. And so it it immediately, to me, harkened back to Kobe Bryant's Achilles injury, where there was just a sense that, by all the players, that everything has changed. The course of the season has changed. Even though we know that this Lakers team was probably not going to be a contending title team, I think all of us just wanted to see a strong push, strong end to the season by the Lakers. Because at the end of the day, we still had Anthony Davis and LeBron James, right? But if Anthony Davis goes down like he did last night, that for sure is sort of the final straw that breaks the camel's back. And I think everybody had a collective sense that that's what they witnessed. Just like against the Golden State Warriors on that fateful night where Kobe Bryant tore his Achilles, Kobe Bryant sort of knew, you know, my career will never be the same. Luckily, it didn't end up being as dramatic as that. I just sort of personally felt the similarities in that situation and what it meant for the rest of this season. But yeah, luckily, it doesn't seem like it's going to be anything career-threatening for Anthony Davis, and he should still be able to go into the offseason training as normal, and hopefully it won't affect him coming into the next season. But yeah, it was just disheartening, and it sucks for Anthony Davis because this entire season he's been trying to combat that silly narrative that he's a quote-unquote soft player, the Anthony day-to-day Davis memes and jokes, the the Mr. Glass stuff. I mean, he was playing through injuries um, by the end of... December, which is why he probably sprained his knee. He was playing through like a hip injury. His knee's been sore, his groin, rebounding from his groin injury. Um, You could tell that he was pushing through all these knickknack injuries just so that he could prove, just so that he could prove he's a fighter, that he's a gamer. 
and he's had couple he's had multiple games where it looked like his season was about to end but he just got back up you know rubbed some salt and dirt into it and kept on playing you know and we have to commend Anthony Davis for that so I think it's just super disappointing I'm sure from him not only from a physical standpoint but a mental standpoint to have to experience these freak sort of injuries there's nothing he could have done about that you know anybody in his situation would have rolled onto the floor and grimaced in pain you know so um i'm sure for anthony davis this is just like a very very bad deja vu ptsd on loop for him and he probably feels like he can't get out of this loop and so you know just prayers up to anthony davis we hope he heals up and and gets well and gets right mentally and physically he came back from this most recent injury, just sort of re-energized, reinvigorated. Uh, he worked on his body, got slimmer. On both ends, he was dominating. Yeah, he had the disappointing game against the Golden State Warriors, but for the large majority of his return, he looked dominant. He looked like a top three, top five player in the NBA. He was regaining his jump shot back. So it's just super, super unfortunate for this to happen at this time. Um, but we hope that he can come back. I wouldn't push anything with him. But yeah, that's just sort of my, my my initial monologue on what happened with Anthony Davis. I'm not going to get into any to too many specifics of the Lakers Jazz game last night because in today's episode, I want to talk about some replacement options that the Lakers can look to in Anthony Davis's absence on the buyout market. I know we've done a lot of these episodes, but even more so now with Anthony Davis out, I just wanted to throw some some viable names out there that the Lakers should um, look to if they are serious about continuing to try and make a push for the play-in. And judging from last night's game against the Jazz, it does seem like they're serious. And, you know, I got to give it up to the team. I got to give it up to LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, THT, and Austin Reeves for shaking off that initial feeling of dejectedness and disgust last night where it looked like they were about to fold you know, personally for me as a fan, I had already kind of folded and I just didn't, I wasn't interested in watching the rest of the game. And it seemed like the Lakers also were ready to call it a night and pack it up. And no one would have blamed them if they had done that, right? But LeBron James, for whatever reason, turned on an extra gear. And in the fourth quarter, he just took over the game. He was getting and ones. He was getting ridiculous dunks pop in those threes in transition that one three he had where it was a standstill three and he just had it at his side and he raised up and drilled it um that was insane russell westbrook was a huge catalyst in that fourth quarter to sort of matching lebron james's energy and physicality and in the two games you know after the trade deadline russell westbrook has been very solid he had a pretty bad first half this game against the jazz with like five turnovers or whatever but he sort of was that energizer bunny that uh, rallied around LeBron James, or even got LeBron James going, actually. So huge kudos to Russell Westbrook. And then THT is just becoming this sort of utility defensive wing type player who, if you get 20 points from him one night, that's just cherry on top of the Sunday, right? But you're not counting on that. But you know that THT is liable to pop off for random 17.5 assist games here and there. I mean, that's exactly what he did before the trade deadline and in the Golden State Warriors game. But at his baseline, THT is becoming this sort of rabid, defensive, lanky beast who's causing havoc with, with his length and getting all these blocks. He had four blocks last night. He's interrupting the passing lanes, causing our transition play to hum. 
And, you know, THD has become the Lakers, what whatever Bruce Brown is for the, the Brooklyn Nets, this 6'4 guard who's bulky and strong and just mucks it up on the defensive end. THT is becoming that, and even if he doesn't get you any points or his shot is not flowing on a particular night, it kind of doesn't matter anymore because he is making stuff happen on the defensive end. And again, he is igniting our fast breaks with the steals, with the blocks, just being an impediment. Uh, Does he get fouls called against him, and do the refs hate him? Yes, but I think with time, he's going to continue to learn the best ways to, you know, be savvy and use his length to his advantage without always being called for a foul call, without always being called for fouls. So THT was phenomenal again defensively, and he was causing problems for Donovan Mitchell, even though Donovan Mitchell had a great game. And then also Austin Reeves. I mean, what what more can you say about Austin Reeves? He had another clutch shot. He had the game, pretty much game-clinching three-point shot at the end there. Uh, Looked as confident as ever. That stroke was pure. And outside of that, he's continuing to hustle all over the place, uh, grabbing rebounds every which way. Uh, Because we're so small, it's important and integral that Austin Reeves is actually crashing the boards, and he has been doing that. And yeah, this is about the, what, third or fourth clutch shot that Austin Reeves has hit for the Lakers this season in much-needed wins, and he's doing that as a rookie. I mean, you can't say enough about Austin Reeves. So I think that's where I'll end it with regards to the Utah Jazz game. All hail LeBron James the King for taking things by the reins and uh, really causing problems for the Utah Jazz with him at back at the five where he was dominating and making Rudy Gobert look lost. Um, but yeah, I give the whole team a lot of credit for their resolve and fight. It's something we haven't seen all season. And, you know, going into the All-Star break especially, you just want to have that sort of unifying rallying galvanized cry especially um, in light of Anthony Davis's injury it, it was a nice button to end a horrific night I would say coming out of the all-star break though you know I don't want to put a wet blanket or dampen the mood here but even with how spirited the guys have looked since the trade deadline and even with Russell Westbrook rounding into form and sort of finding a footing here of stable play Given the context of our season, just how imbalanced our roster is, how we didn't make any moves at the trade deadline, how LeBron James has admitted that he's his knee's not going to be right for the rest of the season, and now with the pending Anthony Davis injury, we're not even sure if he's going to be back this season. Given all of those things, with as much spirit and resolve and resilience that our guys may show, it's kind of a too little, too late sort of scenario, you know? And this game also sort of reminds me of LeBron James' first season when Rajon Rondo hit that game winner against the Boston Celtics and we thought the season was going to turn around from there. I think that was the third game before the All-Star break in the 2018-19 season. He hit that game winner in Boston and the the team was going nuts and we were like, all right, here we go. We're going to make the playoffs. And then we kind of still sputtered just because that season was ravaged by injuries and that season was super inconsistent from a chemistry standpoint. And so for me, again, I don't want to put a wet blanket on what happened against the Jazz and I don't want to put a wet blanket on this Lakers team, you know, finding some sort of collective fight within them coming out of the All-Star break. But I'm just kind of being realistic and at the end of the day, 
I just don't think that there's much they can do if Anthony Davis is injured and LeBron James is hobbled and they're continuing to work with an imbalanced team, you know? So I think all of this is just going to catch up to them. And if they're not careful, they may also run LeBron James into the ground, you know? So I think there should be a measured sort of approach. And to no fault of the Lakers' own, even if they band together again, I think there's way too much going against them at this point. And I feel like we've reached the breaking point where we're just by default going to eventually fall under the weight of too many of these unfortunate circumstances. They're all just going to crash down on them all at once at some point. Now, obviously, I, I hope for a miracle. I hope that we can, you know, have this Cinderella-like story where our spirited resilience carries the day. But if I'm looking at things realistically and how this season has gone, I just don't see it in the cards for us this season. And I hope we tread carefully too. Because again, the, the, the last thing I'd hate to see is LeBron James sustaining a season-ending injury and then that sort of hindering us and delaying us even more to enter into next season. So but with that said, that was a great win by the Lakers against the Jazz. We'll see what happens coming out of the All-Star break. I think everybody just mentally and physically, obviously, needs the break. Um, and we'll hope for better news from Anthony Davis. But for now, a great way to close out the first you know, three-fourths of the season with everybody feeling good about themselves and everybody feeling like, they have each other's backs and this is the group that we have so we better make the best out of it i think that sort of mentality is commendable but again sometimes it just isn't your year but i do like that the lakers are trying to make lemonade out of lemons and as we continue to veer towards playing more of the young guys and seeing what we have in them and developing them like tht getting 30 minutes austin reeves getting 30 minutes and closing i think that's the the sort of direction and progress um, we want to keep moving towards out of the break, along with this type of spirit and competitiveness, right? All right, I'm continuing to ramble, so let's take it to break first. And when I come back out of the break, I will talk about some of the potential big man options that the Lakers could look at on the buyout market to help in Anthony Davis's absence. So with that said, we'll catch you guys after the turn. All right, so let's talk about replacements, and I'll start with the obvious, because you guys have heard me harping on and on about this prospect since the offseason, pretty much, and now I'm starting to see his name uttered by Lakers fans on Twitter and stuff, but guys, just remember where it all originated from. Copyright this podcast talking about this prospect. No, I'm just kidding, but, but all jokes aside, let's talk about DJ Wilson. If there was ever a time to take a flyer on DJ Wilson of the OKC Blue, former semi-lotto pick of the Milwaukee Bucks. Now is the time. And I have been bringing his name up even before the Anthony Davis injury because I felt like he could help the Lakers in their rebounding efforts and just providing us with another solid big man who can sort of do everything, not muck up the spacing too terribly, um, but just be another fresh body for us, another fresh athletic body. And once again... DJ Wilson, 25 years old, 6 foot 10, 7 foot 3 wingspan. Here are his last five games for the OKC Blue. The other night, DJ Wilson had 21 points, 16 rebounds, 7 assists, 1 block, 8 of 16 shooting, 2 of 6 from 3. 
The game before that, on Valentine's Day, he had 20 points, 13 rebounds, 5 assists, 1 steal, 2 blocks, 9 of 18 shooting. The game before that, he had 16 points, 14 rebounds, 3 of 5 from 3, 4 assists, 1 steal, 3 blocks. The game before that one, 22 points, 15 rebounds, 3 assists, 6 of 11 shooting, 2 of 4 from 3. And then right before we turned the calendar page over to February, DJ Wilson erupted for 37 points, 16 rebounds, 1 steal, 16 of 23 shooting. I mean, at this point, he should just be an NBA player. Some teams should be calling him up, and the Lakers better hurry and be that team because Masai Ujiri really liked DJ Wilson's stint with the Toronto Raptors when they called him up for a 10-day hardship exception. And if they're able to free up another roster spot, I would absolutely see Masai calling DJ Wilson back up or even see the Oklahoma City Thunder who are just, you know, trialing out several players as they tank their last few months of the season, um, I could see them giving their own G League affiliate player a shot. So the Lakers actually need some help, and DJ Wilson could provide some help now, and he's not exactly a super raw prospect because he does have NBA experience. So if the Lakers don't want to take a super shot-in-the-dark flyer on a G League guy who doesn't have very much NBA experience like say a Tyler Bay who I feel like would be a good prospect as well DJ Wilson is a happy medium because he does have NBA experience with the Milwaukee Bucks he has played in NBA games he did have a pretty good stretch with the Houston Rockets uh, last year I believe and he had a pretty good three game sample size with the Toronto Raptors this year I think that DJ Wilson could be a good pairing for the Lakers and he sort of approximates what Anthony Davis does He's a little bit loafing. He's a little bit slow. He's not as athletic as you think, not as quick as you think. In fact, he's like a more like Tristan Thompson-y, Thaddeus Young-y fusion, but he can stretch the floor a little bit, and he does a little bit of everything. He can pass the ball. He rebounds. He can space it from three, and I think that's something that the Lakers could use. So I implore the Lakers, please just take a 10-day flyer on DJ Wilson. It does not hurt you at all. And then the other young guy that I'd like the Lakers to take a look at, I referenced him earlier, would be 6'7", 7'1", wingspan, Tyler Bay. He's only 24 years old. He's a former second-round pick of the Dallas Mavericks. He now plays for the Rio Grande Vipers. But coming out of college, he was sort of heralded as this Brandon Clark, Sean Marion-esque sort of player. Again, he's only 6'7", but he's got good measurables, and he's got a lot of bounce. He's very athletic. He's kind of like a versatile, do-it-all, utility man sort of player. And I think just the type of guy who would fit with what the Lakers are doing, especially as they are likely now going to have LeBron James back at the five for a majority of the game. I know it's a huge shot in the dark. I know he barely has NBA experience, and it's probably unlikely that the Lakers take a shot at him. But even giving Tyler Bay Sekou Dumboya's two-way spot, I feel like would be a good move and, and good progress. But I am not sure how the player movement thing works in the G League if you try and give a two-way spot to a player who's on another G League affiliate team like the Rio Grande Vipers. But regardless, there's Tyler Bay. Um, if they can, I'd love for the Lakers to give him a contract or even just a 10-day. Here's a quick look at some of his last few games. 14 points, 5 assists, 8 rebounds, hit a 3. So that kind of just shows you his versatile play. He had another game where he had 14 points, 8 rebounds, 4 of 7 from the field, only 16 minutes. 
His most recent game, he had 17 points, 7 of 7 shooting, 1 of 1 from 3, 7 rebounds, 1 steal, all in only 25 minutes. Again, he just does a little bit of everything, and I think and I think he would just be a, a really great athletic infusion for this team as we try and leak out more, get into transition, play some defense. I think he's a good rangy wing slash tweener big who could really muck it up uh, on defense and be a transition catalyst with his length. So he wouldn't be a bad flyer even for a two-way spot or something like that. But again, unlikely that the Lakers go this route, but just a name to look out for. Last young big man prospect that the Lakers should maybe monitor and take a look at that they can sign outright would be 22-year-old Moses Brown. He comes from UCLA. He was undrafted, but he played with the OKC Thunder last season. He's seven foot two with a seven foot three and a half fish wingspan. He's very, very long. He is slight in frame, and right now I think that's his biggest impediment as a player. He just needs to get a lot stronger and bulkier. But even with that said, his insane measurables are what make him such a tantalizing prospect he didn't get a lot of run at all with the Dallas Mavericks this season before getting cut but his best game with them comes in a 20 minute game versus the OKC Thunder ironically in a win against OKC where he had 15 points six rebounds two blocks one steal five of six from the field Um, But if you look back at his game log with OKC Thunder last year, and obviously caveat everything with OKC being a tanking team last year and it being a looter in a riot sort of situation for Moses Brown. But even having said that, he had games of 21 points, 23 rebounds in only 32 minutes, 19 points, 12 rebounds, 12 and 15. His last game with OKC Thunder, he had 24 points, 18 rebounds, 7 blocks, and 12 of 19 shooting. He was an absolute beast in the time that he got to play with OKC. He averaged 8.6 points, 8.9 rebounds, 1.1 blocks on 54% from the field in just 21 minutes in 43 games with OKC Thunder. I don't think he's the solution in um, Anthony Davis's stead, but in terms of being a rim deterrent and just having a big man prospect that the Lakers can look to develop to close this season out into the offseason, into next season... I think he would be a really, really good flyer to take for the Lakers, even if it's for a two-way spot again. I think the Lakers need to start building out some sort of foundation, some sort of new young core to fit around Austin Reeves, Taylor Horton Tucker, Stanley Johnson, etc. And I think they need a big man, right? They don't have a young big man prospect. Right now, Dwight Howard is on his last days, unfortunately, and Moses Brown would be a great sort of trial out prospect to take a flyer on now. Whether or not he helps us um, to close this season, which I think he will just because he's lanky. Think of him as like a a raw young version of DeAndre Jordan that you can mold from the ground up because you already know that he can do these crazy things. He can rebound the ball like insanely well, even though he doesn't have the bulkiness or strength to his body yet. So there's definitely something to work with there with Moses Brown. And yeah, I just hope the Lakers take a look, but will they? We don't know yet. We'll see. And then outside of those three prospects who are all guys currently available in the G League or the buyout market, etc., one name to monitor who's currently not yet on the buyout market but has been rumored to maybe be a buyout candidate would be the Utah Jazz's Juancho Hernan Gomez. He's only 26 years old. He is a former number 15th first round pick of the Denver Nuggets back in 2016. I think if he were to be bought out, the Lakers should scramble to try and get him because he sort of is that versatile 
tweener big slash four in the Markeith Morris mold that I think would continue to help the Lakers be versatile, but not ruin their identity as a small ball micro ball team. He's had a meandering sort of career, a mediocre sort of career, but he on paper technically can do a little bit of everything. His best stretch came in a 14-game sample size with the Minnesota Timberwolves to end the 19-20 season, where he averaged 29 points. Um, He he averaged 12.9 points, 7.3 rebounds, 1.3 assists, 1 steal on 45% from the field, and 42% from 3, knocking down 2.1 a game. He hasn't put up those prolific and gaudy numbers uh, in any of his other stints, but a large part of that is because he never really got the minutes or chance to do so. And I think on this Lakers team, he would actually get a shot to, you know, be a rotation player. And just knowing his skill set, and just knowing his skill set of a guy who can rebound, is sort of athletic, but can shoot the ball as well, has a little bit of passing chops. I think that's the sort of player, versatile utility player that the Lakers could use. Defensively, I am not sure how good he is. So I guess that would be the one sort of sticking point that we should be a little bit more judicious about but if it shakes out and he can be this active live body for us in the again Markeith Morris or Maxi Kleber type mold then I would definitely take a chance at Juancho Hernan Gomez but who knows maybe the reason why he hasn't been able to find a rotation spot for himself in any of these stops is the fact that he can't play defense Um, but yeah just another name to monitor Okay, so those are the unrealistic young moneyball guys that the Lakers surely won't go for because they want established help. They want dudes with resumes. So who are some realistic, quote-unquote, older vets that the Lakers are more likely to turn their sights towards? Well, we already know that Tristan Thompson got bought out, and he's on his way to the Chicago Bulls. Presumably, he would have been one of the Lakers' top big man targets. So in lieu of him, who else is out there? Robin Lopez hasn't been bought out yet by the the Orlando Magic. He's a name who I've been he's a name who I've brought up since November as a DeAndre Jordan replacement when it was evident that DeAndre Jordan no longer is a basketball player. Um so obviously I would welcome him back. He does have chemistry with Russell Westbrook. I think he'd do well for the team's overall chemistry. He's a funny dude, just like his brother Brooke. Um, but who knows if we've burned those bridges as an organization with his brother, Brooke Lopez, during his one stint with the Lakers uh, back in 2017-18, right before LeBron James came. So Robin Lopez is there, but I wouldn't necessarily, I don't think it's a realistic target because I don't think he'd come to us. He'd probably get a better opportunity elsewhere, probably with the Golden State Warriors. But he is a, na- he is a name to look out for because he's a big body. He's got good hands. He can still finish in the lane. Um still rebounds well. So yeah, there's Robin Lopez. Um, Some more realistic names that I think the Lakers could get who are currently free agents and currently on the buyout market would be, and we've brought his name up before, um, 28-year-old Willie Cauley-Stein. Now, I'm not sure where he stands on playing basketball this season because he was out for a large majority of the season with personal reasons. Um, So I don't know if he's ready to play basketball again. But if he is, I mean... There's your younger version of DeAndre Jordan, right? Um, just a long dude, seven foot one, seven foot three wingspan, uh, who can get up, grab a rebound, uh, be a lob threat, a vertical threat for LeBron James and Russell Westbrook. And in Anthony Davis's absence, you just need that big body because, again, DeAndre Jordan and Dwight Howard have been non-factors, and 
you could use someone with those measurables to just run up and down and just help LeBron James out rebounding-wise. So um, his best stint recently came with the Golden State Warriors in the 2019-20 season. Uh, He played 41 games for them, averaged 8.6.2 rebounds, 1.1 steals, 1.2 blocks, got traded to the Dallas Mavericks, uh, where he averaged 5 points, 4.5 rebounds, 0.8 blocks on 63% shooting, and since... Since then, hasn't really gotten a shot to play substantial minutes. But, you know, at his height, he was a, you know, 12.8 rebound, one block sort of player. And all the Lakers would be asking for from Willie Cauley-Stein would be to be that 7.7 rebound sort of big, situational big that we can go to uh, if we need some size down low. More realistically, though, because, again, we're not sure of Willie Cauley-Stein's status. The more realistic targets right now for the Lakers would probably be, and you're not going to like this, but Greg Monroe and DeMarcus Cousins. I would not be surprised if the Lakers turned their sights to these two big men. Believe it or not, both Greg Monroe and DeMarcus Cousins are still only 31 years old, although I guess that's pretty old for the NBA. But they're not ancient big men. And both of them have had recent 10-day hardship exception stints. DeMarcus Cousins actually is still with the Denver Nuggets on his third 10-day. His first 10-day was a hardship exception, and then he's on the standard he's on the standard two-stint 10-day contract window with the Denver Nuggets. And I think the Denver Nuggets will have to make a decision on DeMarcus in the next two or three days or so as to whether they want to keep him for the rest of the season or just cut him. And if he's cut, I think DeMarcus Cousins could be a viable look for the Lakers as a sort of Anthony Davis proxy because he technically can do everything Anthony Davis can do in a very loafing, slow, unathletic way because he can space the floor, he shoots threes, um, he's a really good passer, he rebounds the ball well still at this age, and I think for the locker room... He'd be a good chemistry play as well. I mean, we all know him from the 2019-20 championship season, and he was a really good bench guy, really knew how to light a fire under LeBron James and Anthony Davis. I think he'd be good for Russell Westbrook. So don't be surprised if the Lakers come calling DeMarcus Cousins if and when he gets waived by the Denver Nuggets because the Denver Nuggets have really liked his time with them. And so did the Milwaukee Bucks, actually, when he played for them a little bit as well. Don't focus too much on DeMarcus Cousins' stats with the Denver Nuggets because he's only shooting 29% uh, and 28% from three, although he is averaging 6.6.3 rebounds, uh, 1.1 assists in only 13 minutes, but he had slightly better stats with the Milwaukee Bucks, 9.6 rebounds, uh, one steal um, on 47% shooting, Um, but don't focus too much on the stats because if DeMarcus Cousins comes to play for the Lakers, he is only going to have this sort of 15-minute role situational role and while he can't run up and down he's not athletic or whatever we'd really be looking for him to fill in the Dwight Howard spot he wouldn't be a vertical threat obviously but he'd be a utility big man he'd just rough it up and muck it up down low grab rebounds for us actually be a good facilitator so DeMarcus Cousins in this sense would be more of a Marcus Saul type big Um, I'm not sure if that's the direction the Lakers want to be going at but I wouldn't be surprised if they went down the DeMarcus Cousins route. And then the same goes for Greg Monroe, who I mentioned earlier, because he also had a pretty productive stint with the 
Milwaukee Bucks this season. He actually had several stints. He played with the Washington Wizards, the Minnesota Timberwolves, and the Milwaukee Bucks on separate 10-day hardship exceptions. And with the Bucks in only 13 minutes, he averaged five points, four rebounds on 50% from the field. Again, nothing to write home about. He is not an exciting prospect. He's not tantalizing at all, but he's a big body who in his heyday was known for rebounding, and he can sort of do it all as well. He can pass a little bit, not that we'd be relying on him to do that. His best game out of his 10-day hardship exception stints would be, I think, his first game uh, versus Boston. He had 11 points, 9 rebounds, 6 assists, 2 steals, 1 block. Um, but yeah, don't be surprised just because of the resume resumes that they both have and the Lakers just probably wanting a sound veteran big man body. Don't be surprised if the Lakers come calling DeMarcus Cousins and Greg Monroe's way. Again, I'm not excited about those two names, but it's just sort of the direction that I feel like the Lakers will go. The Greg Monroe, DeMarcus Cousins route. I guess if I had to stack them all up, Robin Lopez, DeMarcus Cousins, uh, Greg Monroe, I'd probably go that exact order. Robin Lopez, DeMarcus Cousins, Greg Monroe. I think from a feel-good redemption aspect, I would like to just bring DeMarcus Cousins back. I think he'd be good for the team and the morale of this team, but we'll we'll just have to see what the Lakers are prioritizing here and if they, you know, shock us by going young. Um, but with that said, until we learn of any additional names who find their way on the buyout market, those are the names that I've kind of circled in my head that I feel like the Lakers would look at, and it's a very, very sparse market. Um, the Lakers will also be competing with, again, the Golden State Warriors for big men. And Tristan Thompson was the one shiny name out there. But now that he's going to the Chicago Bulls, it's really going to be the Greg Monroe's, DeMarcus Cousins of the world, unless the Lakers look overseas to guys like Justin Patton and Noah Vonley. Um, But that seems unlikely and very complicated. So in lieu of those guys, yeah, DeMarcus Cousins, Greg Monroe, Hope Robin Lopez gets butt out. It is not, those are not exciting prospects whatsoever, but desperate times call for desperate measures. And and maybe the Lakers just forego the traditional big man route entirely, in which case, you know, again, they're going to have to look for some tweener big man options out there. Uh, Mike Scott is a name who I think could help the Lakers. He's literally the Markeith Morris mold and type. He can space the floor, played small ball center for the Philadelphia 76ers. So, He's a name if the Lakers are looking for a known guy with a resume who's a veteran. Mike Scott is a name that I would um, take a look at. So yeah, with that said, I'm going to cut it right here. Um, I hope that was somewhat insightful and informative. Likelihood is the Lakers don't look at any of these names because they haven't for any of these podcasts I've been doing where I throw out a million names, give out all these players' stats and context, etc. But one can hope, right? And as Mike Scott on The Office once said, how the turntables. And I guess that's a good time for me to say, catch you on the flippity flip as well and end this podcast because I do not want to keep rambling on and on about nothing. So with that said, we'll catch you guys next time. The next podcast we'll have will likely feature either Tommy or Alan, and we will more closely assess what the Lakers do from here and if there are any new buyout market names to monitor Uh, And maybe by then we'll also have signed a new guy or two. One can only hope. But with that said, we will catch you guys next time. Prayers up to Anthony Davis. Hope he heals quickly. Hope everyone has a great NBA All-Star weekend. We could all use the break. God knows it. 
But yeah, we will catch you guys after the break and uh, hope for brighter days ahead. All right, see you guys. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.